Don't forget to like and subscribe. For more information, check out the Gate Expectations podcast on YouTube, Facebook, Patreon, Twitter, and Spotify. Welcome, everybody, to the Gate Expectations podcast, where I bring in a weekly guest, talk all things Yu-Gi-Oh!, and get to know a little more about each person I talk to. This is the only Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast that is run by a full-fledged journalist such as myself. This is episode 27. If you haven't checked it out yet, you can check out earlier podcasts with guests like Stephen Trivanovsky, Jesse Cotton, Team Samurai X1, Farfa, Crush Cards, Simo, and many more. My guest for this week is a Yugi tuber with almost 20,000 subscribers. He is the man who makes us laugh at the game that we love, and he is known for making a ton of funny skits and shorts on his YouTube channel. It's Milano Fetu, a.k.a. Milano the Duelist. Man, Milano, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Bui. Oh. Appreciate it. Oh, of course, man. Absolutely, bro. And uh, yeah, I've uh, like watched a lot of your videos as of late because you know, I'm subbed to you too, man. And uh, ho- holy heck, when I look through all these videos, I laugh my ass off just because, like, we can relate to pretty much every single thing that you've put on your channel. Like, I, I always laugh because I, I always think back. It's like, yep, that's happened to me before. That's what... Yep, that's happened. <laughs> exactly. Well, that. I can guarantee you almost everything I made a video of is, like, has taken place before. It's, like, something <laughs> specifically, like, I can, like, kind of relate to, you know? Yeah. That's what I feel like. It kind of makes it enjoyable where where it's, like... You, you watch this video and you're like, oh, that literally, like, that's literally me. You know, I, I relate to this. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh players have, like, those silly moments, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, I thought, I kind of, like, brought, lots of people say that I brought back, like, Yu-Gi-Oh vines. Like, that was really, yes. Yu-Gi-Oh, that was really fun. I used to enjoy those a lot when people, like, Asianize and, like, uh, Ryan Nisker, for example. He's also from Toronto. Yep. Used to make those. They were really funny. I enjoyed them. So, I just, yeah. you know, I thought it was a, a funny way to like you know what i'm saying express myself in the community and yeah and, and that's it, it's really funny too because you know like yeah Yu-Gi-Oh! vines were like so funny way back then i remember like watching them a whole bunch and then now you've kind of uh kind of picked up the ball where it kind of dropped a little bit because you don't see a whole lot of that now and you're just and, and you put it in like it's very short so that way we can just look at it and just kind of get a quick laugh out of it because you know attention spans may not be the greatest for, yeah, for yeah. everybody man <laughs> but it, it you know it's short sweet straight to the point and i just laugh my ass off especially my, one of my favorite videos that you did was uh when you were doing when you give players try playing chess man that <laughs> that one had me laughing like my ass off greatly man so so to start man like what came with the idea of making all these videos so it all started off with okay it was 2015 on zodiac duelist 2015 yeah it was 2015 mm-hmm. uh, on zodiac duelist when the the ban list dropped and like pretty much this was the ban list that pantheism got banned yeah and so i thought it would be funny if i burned like my pantheism like i burned it and took a picture of it and posted it on zodiac mm-hmm. and that got like around like 500 likes and stuff like that and like that was like my first like kind of like um what is it it was my first um inspiration to continue like kind of like just interacting you know what i'm saying like kind of like posting stuff and just yeah. kind of like you know what I'm saying? I still have the, the the pantheism in my binder. And it was in one of Lithium's videos. Like, one of my cousins messaged me. He's like, yo, your pantheism is in Lithium's video. I'm like, what? You know, and as a kid, you know, that was so crazy. Like, kid, I was 15, 16. You know, that was, like, crazy to me. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah so ever since that like you know what i'm saying like i always had this like kind of interest in 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 the opinions of others on what i'm willing to kind of like provide in terms of like 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 even like a meme like that i would consider like a meme right yeah so when it first like actually started on youtube um i was in the shower and i was just showering and i thought of this really funny video i'm like yo i seen this one video where it's like when a um Actually, I don't know if it's appropriate to say, but it's just like a, it was a it was a funny video. It's nothing wrong, but I just mm-hmm. don't know if the term is mm-hmm. hey. But um, so it was a funny video, and I kind of got inspired by it. So I kind of made the called by video. So in in the same uh, what should I call it? Like that same day, like I was showering, had that idea. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't really like really like think I'm gonna do it until I put my phone against the wall vertically, and I and I'm like, you know what? Like whatever, I'm just gonna do it. You know, I. Didn't, I look over it. I'm like, huh, that's pretty funny. You know, I just like, just like quickly, like <laughs> sailed through my nose a little bit. I sent it to my mm-hmm. group chats because I like to, like, I have a few group chats I keep in contact with. Like, mm-hmm. shout out to the four one boys. Shout out to the GN mans. Um, so I sent it to my group chats, and they're like, yo, this is actually like, this is actually pretty funny. Yo, you should definitely like, either post it on YouTube or post it on Facebook or like on Zodiac. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Post it on Zodiac. Post it on Zodiac got like 900 reacts and like lots of comments lots of top players like commenting you know what i'm saying it's i find that like i found that lots of people related to it and lots of people enjoyed it and when like when i saw like when i refreshed my phone in the morning the next day when Mm -hmm. that number jumped from like four or five hundred to like nine hundred that's when i'm like wow like people actually really enjoyed this Mm -hmm. and so ever since that i kind of like posted a few videos to zodiac and they all saw like Lots. I saw lots of people enjoying them, mm-hmm. you know. And then, sorry, do you have something? <laughs> no, no, go. Keep going. Keep going, man. When you, when you yeah. So, um, yeah. So I posted a bunch of videos of Zodiac. Lots of people found it like really funny, and lots a few people, specifically this one guy named Anthony. He's like the most memorable one. He said, "Bro, make a YouTube channel. Make a YouTube channel." And I'm like, "All right, man. Shit, I'll make a YouTube channel." So at first, there was Sawa the Duelist. Sawa is kind of my my um. I don't want to call it my street name, but it's kind of a nickname <laughs> because uh, Sawa in Chaldean means old man. And I get my cousin gave me that name when I started <laughs> growing white hair. <laughs> so right. he so I went by Sawa the Duelist. I posted all the videos I like I had on Facebook, like that I posted on Zodiac before. And they got a few hundred views. But still, you know, I wasn't like super incentivized to like, like continue until like, I don't know, I had a really good idea. It was the how Yu-Gi-Oh players react to to Numeron. That video was like, I think when things started to really pop off, like I remember seeing that video hitting 5,000 views and I was like, I'm like, wow, like lots of people saw this video, lots of people, you know, over the days and it got 20,000, 30,000, 40,000. This like, this, like all the positivity, especially in the point of my life where this was going on, it's like, it wasn't too, too crazy for me. But um, with all this positivity that people were sending my way and just seeing people smile, like, like really enjoy what I was able to provide for them, it really like incentivized me to continue. And ever since, you know, I've been just like, like anytime I really have like a, a funny idea or someone just says, you know, it'd be funny this. And then I just kind of build off of that, you know, well, like, yeah, well, when you look at all your videos, man, like every single one 
is nothing short of at least 10,000 views on all your videos. So, and this is the kind of stuff that people love. Cause when you, when you post it on like Zodiac duels, for example, there's a lot of like crap posting that goes on in, in, in that place. Like it, it's all there is. There's a lot of memes. There's a lot of jokes and there's a lot of like burns on a lot of roasts on other people. And that's what it is. So it was kind of like the, kind of like the perfect outlet for you to kind of put those kind of videos in there. And people really draw to that because, you know, we all like to, we all like to laugh at the game that we love. We like to, we just like to laugh at like a lot of things. You know, oh, of course, that's of just course. what it is. Like we live in a world where like memes kind of rule like the internet right now. And you know, your, your whole, your whole YouTube channel is kind of like one huge like meme, or it's like a bunch of little memes that are just funny to like, just kind of go through. And it's, but it's all relatable and it's all true mm-hmm. in a sense that that's, that's, I think why so many of us like love your videos because it really relates to like, we've all had that experience before, man. And that's why I love your videos because not only is it funny because it's like, yep, I can look that at every time I look at it. I'm like, yep, I've had that happen before. Yep. yep, I had that happen before. It's like, man, because it, it hits close to home to me. And I think that's what it does for everyone else is why you, your channel is so popular right now. Yeah. Well, 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 all things said, thank you so much for all the, the kind compliments. You know, I think, I think like, a big influence on on how my videos were like produced and like actually like made where like a big inspiration to that was like the Toronto Yu-Gi-Oh culture mm-hmm. because pretty much like like Yu-Gi-Oh culture was like a real real thing back then where everyone would have calculator cases you know how would have nice mats you know it was really about the 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 drip back then now it's like lots of people have like their like and this may seem like super unrelated, but even like hand shuffling, that's a big part of Yu-Gi-Oh! Culture. Yeah. Like I, when, when I make these videos, like I want to envision a Yu-Gi-Oh! player. And to me, the coolest type of Yu-Gi-Oh! players were these, these Toronto Yu-Gi-Oh! players that I was playing with back at Cardmasters when I was like just a little kid, you know? Mm-hmm. I, remember my, I remember my first uh, tournament, I was like, I think I was 10 years old. It was at the old Cardmasters location. The, the first one, I didn't go there too, too frequently, but like, cause I was still young at the time. I would have to go, like my mom would have to drive us. Everyone's busy. But I remember I played this guy, his name was Aaron and he had the, the upper deck mat, the, the, the mat that I have now, yep. which like I acquired because like, this is my favorite part of like Yu-Gi-Oh culture. Like this is what that, like when I got destroyed by his Thunder King, like it truly like opened my eyes in terms of like, wow, this guy's like the coolest Yu-Gi-Oh player ever. I want that mat. His sleeves are cool. You know, like the way that he moves these cards in his hand, like I'm inspired by this. <laughs> as weird as this sounds, like, I don't know. I think that that having this, like, this drive for, 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 it really felt like a culture back then, you know? Like it really felt like a culture. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you in that sense because, you know, like I, I carry a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! tendencies over into like other games that I play. Like, like I play a little bit of chess myself too. So when I'm like going through my moves i would like kind of move my finger around like, like if i do this and this yeah and like this. twiddling it yeah twiddling it twiddling it or like kind of moving in the direction kind of like when you're on a play mat you're like kind of pointing to your own card stand like all right if i do this if i do this i think i can do this you know it, it's thinking aloud and if i play any other like board game that has cards in my hand like i'm gonna shuffle it normally i'm like and people are like, what are you doing? Like, why are you shuffling? I'm like, oh, sorry, man. This is just a, this is a Yu-Gi-Oh tendency that I do, like, all the time in Yu-Gi-Oh. It just, yeah. just happens to happen. Like, And if I play with, like, dice or something, I'll kind of, like, fiddle around with it. 
or like kind of roll it for fun and be like, yeah, like while I'm waiting for my turn to go. It like it's funny. Yeah, how these, you... these small things are stuck to us. Yeah, these small things are so stuck to us. I remember in high school, like lots of like I was, I'm pretty much like I live in Vaughn. Like yeah. lots of the population here is Italian, and a game they they used to play. We used to play during lunch. It's called Brisk. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's like like no. this card game. It's an Italian card game that old Italian men play. But every time I would just hold the cards, I'm hand shuffling, you know? Like, at this point, lots of my friends didn't even know I played Yu-Gi-Oh! Only, like, my close friends. It's just because I wasn't, like, like talking about it and, you know, like, just telling everybody. But I'm hand shuffling these cards. Everyone's looking, like, what are you doing with your cards? Why are you doing that? <laughs> it's like, this is, I don't know. I can't hold rectangular pieces of anything without, without using my agility strategies in order to to swiftly move across the cards from one hand to another, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing really like that. Yeah, it's not just limited to Yu-Gi-Oh! either. It's like, you see, when you see poker players, when they play, they're always, like, maybe holding a bunch of chips, and they're kind of, like, yeah, yeah, and, like, switching the chips and forth. You know, we that's their own tendency. And then, like, you might do that with, like, dice or something. You might just kind of, like, roll it around in your hand without touching each other kind of like those those medicine uh like those tiny little medicine balls that you're not supposed to like click together when they're in your hand it, it's you get those funny little motions that happen man. and you know every game has their own but it's just funny to bring it into like an audience that has no idea what you're doing or like believe that's normal in Yu-Gi-Oh. i get so many comments of oh my gosh this guy's hand shuffling so annoying why is he hand shuffling? What is that? Why is he moving the cards like that? It's very annoying. It's very, you know what I mean? Like lots, and every, like, like every, like, I usually don't reply. I just heart all my comments. Like I read every single comment of mine, yeah. but, um, so I just heart the comment usually. But if I do reply, usually I say, if you've ever watched poker, like, are you going to tell the poker players to like, stop moving their chips? Like that's the exact, exact reference I make. Cause they're always like, like riffling them all together, you know? Yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, they, they're all you know, you don't ever say that, you know, they're more, you know, really it, what it comes down to is that like, you know, are you going to win or not? That's what it mostly boils down to. Like people don't care, like what kind of tendencies you do, like even in sports, like everyone has their own little superstition where it's like, it sounds weird, but if, if something good happens to your team, when you do it, like they don't stop. They always keep doing the same stuff over and over again, even though it looks weird and it feels weird, but you know, it's, it's it weird works, superstition. It yeah. It, that's, that's the philosophy of it all. If, if for some reason it works, like people do it. Like we've seen so many like beer commercials that like involve sports that involve that as well. And, you know, it's, you know, I'm sure everybody has their own, like, like maybe like a lucky die or like a lucky card that they bring with them or something like that. There's like some kind of superstition that kind of falls around and this like, and your videos, they kind of fall into that super, that little superstition, that, that little thing that everyone just likes to do just, just for themselves. Mm -hmm. See, when you watch my videos and you see me hand shuffling and I really like, I really like try to convince the other, the like the watcher that I'm like playing Yu-Gi-Oh right now. Like I'm doing the Yu-Gi-Oh things. Like I'm, you know, looking around, look at their cards. I'm hand shuffling. I'm, you know, thinking. I'm actually like, I'm, I'm displaying this Yu-Gi-Oh, this Yu-Gi-Oh culture. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to show it. You know what really happens. This is what it's like. Mm -hmm. it, and it really is too, because again, like everything you do on your videos is absolutely relatable to every single thing that we've you know seen in 
like in tournaments, just our locals, yeah, even friends, even between yeah. friends. Yeah. And it's it's kind of hard now with remote duels because I'm also one of those hand shufflers that always have to shuffle the hand. And you're not and they like discourage it in the policy document. So every time like I do it, I'm like, shoot, I'm not supposed to do that. Like I always have to put my cards down because like I gotta fiddle with something. Like I don't have a mm-hmm. fidget spinner or anything, but I have to like Yeah, have you gotta move somehow. Gotta I think move, it yeah. strongly has to do like with like like I'm not gonna like I wasn't like diagnosed with ADHD, but I definitely feel like I have lots of uh, lots of traits that like tie along with that. Yeah. So like 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 I'm hand shuffling cards right now. I need to put those down. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, it's just like like I need to move my cards. I've been holding these cards for like twelve years of my life. You know, like 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 on and off, obviously. But mm-hmm. like this is this is all I know. I can't hold five cards in my hand. Unless they're dragon shields and not power shuffle. I mean, and not hand shuffle. Yeah. Because it's it's just that we're so used to it now because we've incorporated, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! almost into our daily lives that, like, it just feels natural that we just got, like, cards in our hand. And, you know, if we got something else that are in our hands that we're just kind of, like, fiddling with or something, we kind of might, like, treat it the same way. Like, if I carry, like, a little book, for example, I just kind of, like, flip through it. I might, like, cringe the top of it here and there. It's it's just funny how, like, you can do the same movements with, uh, with like, a Yu-Gi-Oh! card and do with anything a lot else. Of, there's a lot of things that, like you can take from Yu-Gi-Oh and like actually apply it, you know, like I, I would say like, I'm like, I used to be like a, like a pretty like hardcore gamer. Oh, not hardcore, but like, I used to be like, I'm just like very, I'm very good at like a lot of fighting games. I played a lot of fighting games growing up and there's lots of like, like, for example, in Yu-Gi-Oh, like my favorite format to play is platform. platform yeah. Like everyone, like in Toronto would know me. Like if you guys want to play plants, like I'm ready to play plants. Like, things that I learned from Yu-Gi-Oh, like, resource management, like, truly, like, building strategies is, like, something that I could apply to my, like, daily life. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and an example for me that, that I do that is in, like, when I play, like, a lot of other board games, especially, like, resource management games, because there's a whole ton of them out there. It's, like, I apply kind of, like, the same thing with, uh, with Yu-Gi-Oh to, to those games. Like, for example, like, there's this card game called Dominion which is, it's a deck building game. And I know that like, I want to keep like drawing cards, keep cycling through, keep the deck as short as possible. Like I can apply those like same Yu-Gi-Oh principles that I can. Mm -hmm. So like this card to this, like this one popular card game that that's out there. And, you know, I, I usually come out like either like first or second every time I play it. So it's, it's just funny how much practicality, like the skills that Yu-Gi-Oh can bring like in the game over into like anything else that you do. Honestly, that's totally. You have. Do you ever say think like out loud when you're thinking? Like I'll yeah. just be like, like my friend will tell me, "Yo, are you down to like do this?" And I'll be like, "Uh, think." Without without even think like thinking <laughs> about what I'm trying to say. Uh, think. Uh, like you know when I'm like just trying to like really think about my thoughts. Like I actually say think out loud. It's like really like <laughs> weird habit, but you know that's also something I gained from you. I gained a lot of bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've had that before, too. If people ask me a question, I'm like, I might, like, take a pause and think. Because, you know, I was trained in journalism where if you're thinking some, about something, you don't go, like, uh, you know, it kind of sounds pretty bad. You just, like, be dead silent. You just, just speak. Think. You yeah. Just, yeah, just think and just go. And then when you get that dead silence, it's like, oh, sorry, I'm thinking for a second. Give me a minute. And mm-hmm. then there's that dead silence. It's a lot better than going, uh. But, yeah, I, I've done that, too. And that, that's where I go with Yu-Gi-Oh! as well. When people go and uh make a move i go like wait a minute and if it goes long it's like thinking thinking give me a sec 
you know, and, and that just happens. And I do that in real life too, where I have to come up with like this a bigger decision, or if I've got to think about it, that's what I do. And it, it's funny how you get those weird little cadences and weird little things that that happen, the tendencies. Mm-hmm. But it, it, we've incorporated Yu-Gi-Oh now into our our daily lives, and it's kind of funny just looking back. And if you take a step back and look at it, it's like, man, we're we're really weird. Yeah, we are so weird people, right? Yeah. <laughs> Like, some of my greatest friends in this community, like, I, I got to say, like, you know, no offense to them because they, they all know I love them so much. But we're, we're all a bunch of weirdos. Yes. <laughs> we're all a bunch of weirdos. Yeah, d- definitely, definitely me too, man. So I, I'm with you on that one. But, man, I know you're, like, uh, pretty tight with the, the Toronto community as well. And, like, Toronto is, like, really rich with a lot of, uh, a lot of big figures. You know, like, we got, we got Triff, for example. We got... You know, Jesse Cotton, like Gabe Vargas, for example. We've got a ton of... Sam, like, oh man, the list Sam, goes on. Exactly. The list, the list goes keeps on. going on and on. Toronto is... Big, all, big list of it. Toronto is, all, in my opinion, all time, like, the best region for Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, it, yeah. Meta is... Meta here is tough. It's it's not easy topping a regional here, for one thing. Yeah, yo, yeah. you go to a... You go to a... Or even, like, a GN Locals. The thing is, like, what really, like, I think made me a lot better is, like, Playing in Game Nation locals was literally a small regional because I'm sitting in the same room as Ryan Yu, as Dylan Fricker, you know what I'm saying, Abdul Razak, as as um Knock, as you know what I'm saying. These guys have Nats tops. Ryan's won Worlds. You know what I'm saying. I'm in an environment where you know what I'm saying. I got I got, I'm lucky enough to see Jesse Khan. I have conversations with Jesse Khan. You know, like these mm-hmm. all these these people that are like, at one point or another, they were dominant. You know, they they really drove what the game like was at that their time and i i would say i had that time as well yeah and their skill level and when you pick their brain it really rubs off on you that you start to get like much better in your own eyes and like a lot better in like the competitive scene when you go to like you know such like a super saturated area of like really skilled players i mean for example when i would back in like the early like 2000s uh, a bunch of friends and I, after we played our locals, we would go to Cardmasters, like their newer location that was on like Young Street, and we would go play their local, just play their locals, like nothing special, mm-hmm. just a local. But we would go there because you know we wanted extra competition because you know we would beat our locals, but it's like all right, we want we want more. But my locals at that time, it was called Jeff's Cards and Comics because I'm located in Peterborough, so mm-hmm. I'm like an hour and a half north of, I guess like where you're in Vaughn. So I guess maybe like an hour 15, like east of you. Cause you're like in North, like Northern Toronto. That's, yeah, that's yeah. where you are. Yeah. So, so we drive like 90 minutes there just for like a four hour local and then drive 90 minutes home just because, you know, we know that Toronto is like in a, is a hugely huge, competitive area. Huge. Like this is when like Dale, Lazaro, Matt Bolito were there. Like Matt Peddle was there, for example. Like we'd play against like some of the best players yeah, those, in the world, just like in Toronto. And they would help like hone our skills. Those guys like are without saying like Yu-Gi-Oh legends. You know what I mean? When like, yeah. it's crazy. Cause like you may think like not, I'm not saying you may think, but hmm, how do I want to go about saying this? It's like being around people that are like actually like very like skilled at the game has a huge impact on mm-hmm. on on how skillful of a player you become. Like in terms of even like deck building, in terms of technical play, in terms of like anything. Like I remember any time I would like play against Ryan and I made a misplay, like he would make mm-hmm. me feel like such an idiot about it. And I did mm-hmm. feel like an idiot, rightfully so. 
and that's what got me better, you know, like being around these players that like, like you got to really acknowledge that they are better than you, you know, like these guys are like, like they're talented at this game. Yeah. And you really can't put your, your, your ego first in this case, you know, because you know that you're like, I'm not the best. I'm not the best player in the world. Definitely not. And there's someone who's going to be out there that's better than me, which I can accept. You know, the thing is that, you know, can you learn from them and, can you like make yourself better because of it? And, you know, if you put that ego aside, like you can really improve your game like big time. And like, I know that you yourself, that you're a, like a really good player in your own right. I remember you topped the regionals at, at you know, November 30th regionals that like that ill yeah, regional, my and, like, everybody knew. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I believe you're the one who I, I keep hearing it. I want to make sure that I got it right. But you're yeah, the one who I, I'm one. I would, yeah. I'm saying like, there's, there's still non-believers. However, I'm going to like say 100% flat. I am, without a doubt, 100% the only reason Sky Orcus was was a deck that format. Yeah, because like, I, I remember seeing a whole bunch of like of like stuff online saying that you were the one who made the deck. I'm like, oh, Milano made that. I, li- I like bragging about so it. I like bragging <laughs> about it, you know, because I feel like, like, like the thing is when Engage was $100, I was just getting back into the game. Like this was like gooky format. Like, I was just yeah. getting, getting back into the game again because I took lots of, like, on and off breaks. Like, I, I ended at, like, the beginning of Link format. And, you know, like, it was just, like, you know, life kind of has its way of, you know, taking you out of the things you love. But, you know, like, mm-hmm. when like when Sky... What was I trying to say? Oh, yeah. When Engage was, uh, like, $100, $110 card, I read that card. And I'm like, yo, I will, I'll play this in anything. I'll play this in anything. I told all my friends, guys, like, like why, why, like, if you guys have this card, why aren't you playing it in everything? Like, there's Salamangrate lists I made with Engage. There's, there's, you know what I'm saying? Burning Abyss lists that I made with Engage, like on DB, just because I didn't have it. And I'm not like out here <laughs> dropping $100 on Yu-Gi-Oh cards at the time. So, do you want to hear the Sky Orca story? Like, how it, like, I guess yeah. it like, all started? All right, so it all started with me playing Burning Abyss. I love Burning Abyss. That was like my first like meta deck, I would say. When when I was playing, like I didn't get it, pick it up like around Duel Alliance because Dante's were like a hundred something. That man, that yeah, they were a lot. They were they were very expensive. But <laughs> like by the time Premium Gold came out, like right before that, I remember I was able to get like a pretty good deal on a core, and you know what I'm saying. I ended up playing that, and that I ended up like falling in love with that deck. That's like one of the only decks that I ended up keeping through me quitting the game and coming back multiple times. But so I love Burning Abyss and, you know, this new Orcus deck came out and I'm like, yo, th- these cards are pretty cool. So I was playing like a Burning Abyss Orcus deck, which was actually like really good. Like I pretty much like the whole strategy was using the um, like I used lots of level three like make Burning Abyss play, play through hand traps like gr- amazingly. And that was Orcus yeah. number one problem. So when you build decks, you always have to build to like obviously solve problems. And for me. Like, I was always, like, uh, a deck builder. You know what I'm saying? I loved building decks. I, I would always, like, when I was younger, like, just stay up and just, like, play these piles that literally made no sense. But, you know, like, I believed in them. <laughs> yeah. So, Burning Abyss Orcus, it was really good, you know. And then um, I remember Benny, shout out to Benny. He made a comment on my deck where he's like, your deck is literally, like, Orcus with bad cards. And that offended me. And then in game three <laughs> that match, I remember he lanceed me, and I ended up like like passing on Cherubini Dante with a window underneath because I play instant as well. And I'm like, yep. yo, nice lanceed, bro. Like nice work is that, you know? 
<laughs> anyway, so I, I tell my friends, I'm like, yo, if I really wanted, like, if I wanted to play meta deck, I could, I could top. You know, I just didn't really like. I, I play casually, like at the time. Like I'm just <laughs> like, yo, I'm just playing to have fun. <laughs> so um, I ended up just making a pure orcus deck, and it was like pretty standard. Honestly, it was like too standard. I didn't really like it because the deck had like lots of flaws. You know, sometimes you just lose the game because the deck was inconsistent. Sometimes, or <laughs> you just lose to the hand trap. But um, something that Abdul showed me one time was he's like, yo, look at this, this Orcus list. And this list played Brass Bombard, which at the time was like literally no one, literally yeah. nobody played that. And this was around uh, Niagara 2, the second Niagara, YCS. Um, so I, I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm going I'm to try this out. So I, me and Abdul were testing it like two weeks before the event. And it was playing Engage, but only as like, as like Hornet drones into Kagari into Hornet drones, where you go like or at Eagle Booster, so you can have your mermaid protected and like have it mm-hmm. instant mermaids. But I'm like, yo, this card is like way too good. Like Engage was my favorite card by far in the deck, and I'm like, yo, I'm actually just playing like pure Sky Striker with some Orcus cards. And mm-hmm. so like I completely built my deck around Engage. Three lore, three return. I was playing Desires at the time, which ended up breaking my heart, which I will get to. Um, I played three crescendo, which was very interesting. Like nobody played three crescendo, and three crescendo, I still stand by it during that format. It was insane. Um, so what ended up happening was I brought this sky striker deck. I mean, the sky striker orcus deck, but pr- this was during mermaid when mermaid was legal. So it, like it wasn't as powerful as some of the other orcus variants, but it, like it was yeah. still like like by far in my opinion, like I should have topped that event. But pretty much what happened was. You know, I go smoothly through the event, except round three, I lost to, like, some random stun guy. He just was playing <laughs> stun, and he just summoned his guy, you know what I'm saying, his fossil dino or whatever, actually, Necro Valley set two, like, damn, like, I just couldn't oh. play, you know, <laughs> I just lost game one and three, and I just couldn't do anything. So then, and then, so pretty much what it comes to, this is day two, round one, I mean, round nine or ten or something, I don't remember, um, and I was playing against Hani. And he was also playing an Orcus deck, but his was like a go second Orcus deck. My my deck was like, my Orcus deck was the best at grinding because I played so many names and I played crescendos for days and I played so many st- so much stuff for that reason. And so we're in this game three situation where, like, I activate desires and I banish two harpors, two symbol skeletons, two nightmares, oh, and like oh. like my world wand, and this the like. The thing is, the only advantage my deck had for against his, his was like a go second, like throw all your cards at the board, break their board, and OTK them. Me, I had to grind, you know? Like, my deck was built to grind. And losing all my resources gave me such a disadvantage in that mirror match, and I ended up losing. And he told me after the game, he's like, bro, you played around Nibiru like a god. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know I did. <laughs> no, but yo, Hani's a sick guy, you know? Shout out to him. He, he definitely deserved to win that. Not well, maybe not, but yo, John, shut it. Well, man, we, we saw like Striker Orcus like really coming to its own after that Niagara YCS when we, yeah, when, when we Mermaid went to got that, banned. Uh, yeah, when Mermaid got banned, and we went to that, uh, that November 30th regional, which I've referenced like a million times on the podcast because so it was much a legendary event, legendary it, it was event. a huge event, yeah, I know. Uh, it was so huge, and then I know you were running striker. You were running striker orcast. So was I. 
And I, I think I ran into about like five, six mirror matches that day. It was because that deck was so powerful. It was so crazy. Yeah, like, definitely, definitely was by man. far the most powerful deck of the format by far. Like that format was extremely, extremely good. Like yeah. all the decks were fair. Like Jesse won a, like the Toronto regionals earlier that year in like, like the summer or maybe a little before that with Salamangrate. Salamangrate, <laughs> the deck that sets up Rage Pass with one protection in Great Like, that's the deck that won an event, you know? Like, this was so, such a perfect time to capitalize. The time where Sky Orcus truly became a deck, though, was when it was the Pro Play Tour Columbus. Now, this is a funny story. I am, so at this point, um, I got kicked out of my house for something that, you know what I'm saying, was definitely not my fault just because my parents are a little, you know, they're a little strict, they're a little traditional, but... Yeah. Um, Something didn't, you know, appeal to them. So this was their way of always dealing with their problems, I guess. So I didn't know what I was going to do. I'm like, darn, where am I going to go? So I, I text uh, Siobhan because there's like a, a Montreal regional that weekend. Siobhan's like, oh, we might go. And I'm like, oh, damn, that's, that's uh, let me know if you do. Because like, I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing for this weekend. And um, so I ended up texting Steven because he told me, yo, just ask Steven. I'm pretty sure they're going to like Columbus or something. And I haven't like traveled to the US for an event at this point. So I messaged Steven. I'm like, yo, and because of my strict parents, I've never traveled to an event because of my strict parents. So, um, so I messaged Steven. I'm like, yo, so like, yo, I heard you were going to this event. He's like, yo, you want to come? And I'm like, sure, sure, I'll come. Like, yeah, of course. I'm saying I'm playing my amazing Skyworkers deck. And the next day I was at GN, we, we were getting ready. You know what I'm saying? I played the locals. I'm pretty sure like I won or something. I, I remember I was like very, very confident in going into it. Very confident. I'm like, yo, I'm going to win this event. I'm going to win this event. Um, so it's me, Eric, Steven, 10 hour drive to Columbus. Holy shit. What a, what a drive it was. Got like zero hours of sleep because I can't <laughs> sleep in a car for the life of me. You know, shout out to Eric. He drove. He's the GOAT. Um, yeah. So, and we would, me and Steven would sometimes stop for like, just to like, like stop at a place to grab food and we would just play like we would play cards at like those those um you know where they have all like the restaurants and the gas and everything those those on oh, yeah. routes yeah so we have yeah we so in canada we call them service centers or on routes uh u.s they would call them like rest areas but they but rest areas don't in the states don't have like restaurants right there they just have like just they're just uh washroom breaks and vending machines yeah yeah so we were we yeah. were inside that we were just playing we were playing cards and steven's like yo your deck's really good i'm like yeah, dude, this the Sky Striker. Every game I drew Sky Striker engaged, like I would never lose. I told, I like, yeah. oh, that was the day I convinced Steven that Sky Striker engaged was the best card in Yu Gi Oh! So now we finally arrived to the event 10 hours later. I'm so tired, and I see some familiar faces there. I saw Ryan, Ryan, you, uh, Alec, who's oh my god, I love Alec. Shout out to Alec, Kareeb Overload. Um, <laughs> So we're getting ready for the event. We're ready. And they're using the, oh, it's important to mention that they're using the new list that was effective on Monday. And this was the Saturday. Oh. So the list hasn't even come out yet. And they changed it last minute because everyone wanted to play with the new list. So yeah. like, like on our way there, we found that out. And so I'm like, yo, this is like the perfect time because I already have a list with Mermaid Band. Like I built, you know what I'm saying? I built decks. I, this is something I'm prepared for. So I put mm -hmm. that together. And we arrive at the event where I'm writing down my deck list and Ryan's writing down his deck list beside me. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we both look over each other's list to make sure there's no mistake. And he's like, Milano. I'm like, what? He's like, 
you have an extra widow anchor in your side that cards at one now <laughs> and i'm like oh good catch good catch but ironically enough something i was not like something i didn't realize was that i didn't write orchestra like orchestrated babble on my deck list or pot of oh. desires so those cards um when i realize okay well, 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 i'll get to that point but pretty much um i'm playing in the event i play lots of people like i play against alec he was playing against thunder uh two owed him i played against um charlie futch who's actually a really good player i beat him that's the event my my own rivalry with justin singh started it was like a very crazy event so i'm like i think x1 going into top cut um and then top 16 they're like whose deck box is it and it's just like this pink ultra pro deck box everyone else has like these double deck boxes like all these you know these like world champion qualifiers it's just like a pink deck box i'm like oh that's mine and they, he brings me to the side and informs me that I, I didn't write these certain cards on my list. And I'm like, darn, so like, what happens? And thankfully, if this was like a Konami event, I was 100% catching a DQ because oh. they know that it was 100% an accident. Of course, I'm yeah. going or Babel in my deck list. Yeah. Like, and Ryan looked over my deck list too, and we both didn't realize that. So top 16, they give me a, a game loss, and I get to swap in three cards from my side deck into my main deck. And good yeah. thing I was siding three called by the grave. <laughs> just fit right perfectly <laughs> so i'm pretty much playing like my my orcus deck you know which which is like totally incomplete now because my most important card in my deck's like not there so i'm playing against dinos and i reverse to old him because he had the the game win and yep. oh my gosh oh. like that was that was crazy this was like when misc was at one i go like widow on the ov raptor chain miss chain called by game two i mean game three game three uh he makes me go first set up my regular engage my crescendos and he just couldn't play through it and that was like a legendary legendary comeback you know without babble Mm -hmm. like my whole gimmick of my deck is completely like removed which like babble is not really that good against dinos anyways but you know it's just it's just ironic (laughs) so then uh top eight i play against clifton who pretty much um Game two, I ash his imagination, and he played one Void Feast, which is the trap, and yep. he hard drew it. And he did that against Abdul as well in, like, some OTS uh, tournament. Like this, mm-hmm. oh, no, the UDS, that's what it was. The UDS. He did it in the UDS uh, last round before top cut. If Abdul won that game, he would have topped. But mm-hmm. he also drew the hard drew the Void Feast when, ash, when he ashed the imagination. And, of course, ashing imagination was not the correct play because you, you can just ash the trap. But yep. you know what I'm saying? Unfamiliar matchup. He built the correct deck for this format. And you know what I mean? Like, Infernoid was actually really good that format. So I ended up losing in top eight. But it was it was legendary to me because, you know, like, this is my first, like, top. Like, I haven't topped the regional before this. I always came very, very close. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just haven't been traveling enough. Haven't been, like, actually playing meta. Like, I just play my fun decks. And then uh, I remember Robbie Cole came up to me and he's like, hey man do you want to uh, get a deck profile and i'm like no yo i'm gonna do it on uh steven's channel he's like oh you can i just get one anyways and i'm like yeah yo yeah like it'll be on steven's channel if you want to see it he's like yeah okay whatever i'll just get it from there because he just you know takes the the list posts it talks about yeah. it um yeah so i remember and then uh robbie and uh steven were recording this video just talking about their fate like the top five meta decks just because like you know they're two youtubers together they want to make a video you know this is something for a new format they could talk about they just watched an event where you know like what what went down in this new format 
And Steven was like, yo, there's this, there's this player. Like, this is the point where nobody plays Engage. I was the only person playing Engage in my orchestra. Yeah. So he's like, there's this guy in my locals. His name's Milano. He, he plays this guy striker engine in his orchestra deck and it works wonders. You know what I'm saying? He was just like, like boosting me up and I'm just there watching them record the video. And I'm like, yo, yo, respects to him. And then later, like this was around the time YCS, like I think it was Pasadena. Cause that's like the, the breakout event for Sky Striker Orchestra. Mm-hmm. He even told the, the, the take notes group chat, which was like, like the Americans, like some of the popular Americans are in there. Yeah, I think that's uh, Cody Cody Angelov. So like a yeah, yeah, series. yeah. Cody yeah. Angelov, Christian Urena, like that group. He like yeah. pretty much informed that group about the deck. And from there, like the deck became the most popular deck of the format. I ended up like topping every event I went to except the last Scarborough. Because I got very unlucky in like every single mirror match. That mirror match was like no fun. Completely no skill. But... <laughs> Yeah, you know, like this was a moment for me when I had felt like I had a real impact on the game. I had lots of conversations with like Ryan and I'm showing him my orchestra deck. And he's like, you should probably just play instant over engage. And I'm like, but like, yo, engage is like the best card in Yu-Gi-Oh. He's yeah. like, yeah, that if you want to play engage, the only argument you could make is that engage is the best card in Yu-Gi-Oh. And I'm like, that's my argument. That's why I'm playing it. Yeah. But yeah, I, yo. I, I've, almost- used, I've used that argument before with, with some of the best decks because... I always think, you know, like what if we just take every card out and think, what's the best card like of the format? And you know, at that time, I, I thought it, you know, engage was the best card of the format because you know, being able to draw one for one thing and search whatever you want, like a utility card to for like defense for whatever point it comes, or like offense because that's how stri- striker cards can work; they can go like both ways, and, and the draw a card and gain advantage because because that's like one of the biggest things in the game right now is advantage. That's what it does. And like before, and then like when Beatrice got released, I'm thinking, what's the best card? Beatrice was one of the best cards of the game right now. So I thought PK Fighter was like the best card of the deck at that time. And then before that, I thought, what's the best card before? Like Necros or Trishula. So I kind of build like the decks around, like based around like, well, what's the most broken, powerful thing? Yeah, what's the most powerful resource to 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 abuse? Yeah, I'm gonna say like straight up, 100%. Like the like what kind of inspired me to like like really like acknowledge and and love what engage provided for my deck was all inspired by like patrick hoban like i remember he made this one shadal deck where i don't know he didn't do like crazy with that i'm pretty sure he got like top 32 but he played like this was the first time like people saw brilliant like in action and he played this warrior engine it was like like rota was at three or something and he played like three rota an armonite to dump shadals a blaze man to search poly and like some other and photon thrasher to summon a level four on board to make a rank four. Yeah. And when I like, like watched his explanation explain to me like the power of like utility, like that's, that's what engaged, like kind of like just represented to me, you know, this was the way to, to make this utility engine in my orchestra deck. Now my deck can beat Takobo, which was a huge problem for the deck. Now mm-hmm. my deck can put an extender on board before I can even play, which orchestra has zero good extenders in the deck, you know? Yeah, and I know Holman also uh, when he ran Shadals and won YCS Toronto with it, he also included uh, uh, he included those uh, the, the, you know, the baby born. chaos dragons. Yeah, the, yeah, that the, was the, the, the light the baby chaos dragons. Yeah, and he and he also included what, what was it? it was the two like baby dragons as well. It was yeah, like, Wiverbuster and yeah. Black Dragon Clap Serpent. Oh, yeah, I have a Clap. funny story with that. I have a funny story yeah. with that. Okay, so this is Card Masters twenty fourteen end of twenty fourteen. I'm playing against Jesse and Jesse. I've never taken a game. I mean, a match off Jesse in my life at this point, you know, like Jesse's yeah. like, 
he wasn't like really sure. well known. Like he's nowhere near like the behemoth he is today, right? But you know what I'm saying? He was like one of the top players at our locals. And he was playing his Burning Abyss deck, and I was playing Shadal's. And the 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 matchup was usually favored in Shadal's because Winda shuts that deck down, and Shadal Fusion going second was just like insane. Mm-hmm. So he ends on like a Dante in a set one, and my hand is like Shadal Fusion, BLS, <laughs> uh, like Collapse Serpent, and like like some. Cra- I played the, this this similar Lightsworn variant to, to Patrick Hoban's deck before he topped with it, but it was like mm-hmm. much worse. Admittedly, much much worse. I played Dark World Dealings in that deck, and so pretty much <laughs> I start my turn. I go Shadal Fusion. I dump Eclipse Wyvern, and and I played Eclipse Wyvern as well. I dump Eclipse yeah. Wyvern, Slamada to summon Construct. And then pretty much when you like go Squamata Construct, you like pretty much guarantee you have three darks in grave. So mm-hmm. so Eclipse Wyvern banish the the dad, construct do the stuff, summon your send your Shadals plus, and then I drop the BLS, banish the Eclipse, drop the dad, pop his monsters, and attack for game. And that was like oh, a game three. Lord. And he's like, Why do you play Dark World Dealings? That card's terrible. I'm like, I need drop powers. <laughs> he's like, Do you play upstart? I'm like I don't have it. <laughs> I don't have it. This is all I got. Because, you know, as a kid, like, coming up, I, I did not have money to spend in the game, you know? Like, I was yeah. 14, 15. I didn't have a job un- until I was, like, you know, like, I th- oh, I think I got my first job at, like, 15, but that's, like, when I kind of out, got out of the game, like, towards the end of, no, it was, like, 2016, something like that. But you get the point. Yeah. Um, but that yeah, was a, like- a crazy, like, like Lights Were in Shadal moment. And when Pat topped that event, I mean, won that event, um... I remember I'm like, yo, like my idea was so similar, but he just executed it better, you know? Like I played three Falco. That was like one of my favorite Shadal cards. Cause like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Lost you mill it off a Raiden. It's like, okay, yo, next turn I get my beast and my beast is going to draw me two cards. GG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, but, I, mean, I don't know. Holy man. And like, with, with Shadal's man, like resource management with that deck is so critical because like you you can gain so many resources and like it was so good like dissecting other people's decks down, man. But if you can't like manage your resource with that deck, like you're toast. Shadal but, was like one of the reasons I really loved Shadal at the time was because it was one of those decks that depending on the matchup, you play very, very differently. Like that's mm-hmm. why I love Dragon Maids as well. It, it's like I find that applicable as well. You build strategies as you play. You don't have a set combo. You don't have a, a two cards. Okay, this equals this. You you look at what your opponent has on the field. You look at what's in your head, and then we talk. You know. Yeah, the 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 toolbox decks is, uh, is what we call them now because you play to the situation that is presented before you, or you play what you think it, you think you go against if you're like going first and you have to make like a certain play. You you play to like what you see rather than just making like a set combo. Like what would you do with like Salomon Grates, for example? Just end off and like Sunlight Wolf, like another yeah, like Sunlight Wolf counter traps, Jack, good Jack, enough, or, like, you know, two counter traps. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's what it is. I, those are the kind of decks I, I love playing, by the way. And I know that uh, Dragon Maids is something you've been kind of touching with lately. Uh, a recent video just came out. You just had a had a match against Triff, a remote duel online with him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Playing the Dragon Maids, man. Tell me more about that. Um, so the Dragon Maid deck really started to appeal to me when I remember Base Lolly, who's also a goat in the Yu-Gi-Oh community. Shout out to him. Me and him never really had any conversations or anything, but I always loved watching his deck profiles, man. That guy's so funny. Um, so he he just showed this Dragon Maid list on like on some video that he like topped the locals with or something. It wasn't like a big event. And I was like, yo, this deck looks interesting, you know? Like I tried it. Uh like I saw there's lots of room for improvement because 
like whenever I like my favorite way to play Yu-Gi-Oh is I like to build my own decks, you know, like like every opportunity I have, like I will try to innovate where I can, you know, where need be. Like my my mocking orcs deck right now is like it's like it doesn't even play the scrap recycler comp. Fortress Citadel, drop the fortress, you know, just like that. I, I like to like build my own strategies and do things like that. And for Dragon Maids, it was like one of the small. So that I Dragon List a lot. I'm like, I and like, there's a point where I played Dragoon and Souls. Uh, Boot Sector launch was one of the, I say, like, one of the most. One of the most, like, that's when I realized I'm like, yo, I'm a really good deck builder. When I threw one boot sector in my, launch in my deck and I played zero rocket monsters. So just, you can pretty much get a free, it's pretty much like Bailings, Striker Dragon. You just turn any of your Dragon Maids into yeah. your Bailings, search your field spell, and that's it. The reason why that's so powerful, though, is because during the time when I played Souls, like, like lots of the Dragon Maid cards have effects in graveyards. So if you, like, go normal summon chamber, search for, like, Hospitality, not hospitality, excuse me, uh, for tidying. And then you go, like, turn it into Striker Dragon, search uh, Boot Sector, summon Souls, pitch both, draw two. Mm-hmm. Now you have, like, 100 cards at least, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I even still play Boot Sector launch in my deck now, and I side it as a one-of, because against, like, the Eldritch matchup, you can, like, usually the Dragon Maid deck ends on, like, Seal. If you draw, like, a good hand, Seal, Shio, like, with utility cards. Mm-hmm. Um... So, like, having that face-up boot sector launch can make sure, like, against, like, matchups like Eldritch or Sky Striker, where they have, like, lots of spot removal that doesn't put any card on the board, it's, like, you pro- you usually instantly lose when you have no other, like, Dragon Maid normal summons, and Seal's, like, the only way to continue your engine during your opponent's turn. So, utilizing, like, my boot sector launch just to put a face-up card on field, and it even worked in that, in that best of five I played with Steven. But unfortunately, the, the match that I played with Steven, I didn't have, like, my, my full deck built because, like I, like, I don't have all the cards that I actually, like, like would play. You know, like Forbidden Droplets, for example. Like, I would play that card. Uh, yep. I have my deck yep. built on DB completely. And the one that I, the version I have, like, built right now is, like, kind of scuffed, but, you know, it's good enough. Like, for the, but the main reason I love Dragon Maids is because there's so much, like, there's so much strategy. Like, I really feel like I'm playing, like, a, a strategy game when I'm playing Dragon Maids because there's so many, like, different type of win conditions, but it's, like, now which win condition is the most is the most ideal for the certain situation am I in, and how am I going to get there by beating the most hand traps, playing through interruptions, using my opponent's knowledge, like, lack of knowledge about my strategy in order to use that to my advantage, you know? Like, if my opponent says, like, like they're reading my cards, like, like, if they, if I have any, like, assumption that they don't know what my cards do, then, like, sometimes, for example, I'll hold seal till the battle phase. And then when they enter the battle phase, like, you know, I go plus four. <laughs> so, man, with that deck, you know, Dragon Maids, like, why, why run it, like, in this, in this meta right See, now that's, like, so, like, super saturated with, all, like, the you know, Drytrons in virtual worlds. So the the thing is, this format is actually one of the best formats we've had for Dragon Maid. If any time's the time to play it now is, um, pretty much like it doesn't really have a good Drytron matchup. I wouldn't say that by any means, just because Seal doesn't really interrupt the Drytrons. Shio isn't like a crazy card against it. You negate a card and like kind of just they're gonna play through that. 
Like you can set up enough yep. defense to definitely see the next turn. You you have like kind of main deck ways to beat vanities by going like tidying, but that's not really like our way to beat the the drytron strategy. Mm-hmm. Um. So the reason why it's like a great deck though is because every other deck other than drytron and virtual world specifically, just because those are combo decks and dragon maids typically don't have a good combo matchup. Um, every other deck in the format is like, let's say like, for example, the Eldritch Trap deck, which I ended up actually losing the best of five to Steven, but I feel yep. like my matchup with that deck is like very, very in my favor. You know, when I'm playing like, like, I don't know if you saw the match, but pretty much Steven top deck Thoroughblade in order to win like the, the match. If he didn't have game that turn, I was winning because I, all of his Eldritch resources were depleted. He had no more grind in it. Yeah. Cause- yeah, because I remember at the end, like at the end of that match, you told him like if you like if you didn't have that card, like like I didn't want to be this guy, but you know, like this is what I had like plotted for you, like next turn, like you had you had like a like a like a laundry list of cards, like just gonna like get him next turn mm-hmm. if you hadn't have drawn that throw blade. Yeah, because that's all he like. He just needed a zoo monster to push for game, and you know, yeah, he got it. But still, you know what I'm saying? I, I totally respect that deck. Still, it's a great deck this format, and the re- the only real like like. The only real obstacle against that deck is Ice Dragon's Prison. But besides that, Dragon Maid bullies that deck. Bullies. If I can get, like, two Dragon Maid monsters on the field and I'm able to enter the battle phase, like, you, when playing Dragon Maids, you kind of have to use your battle phase as a, as a resource. Like, similar to Sky Strikers, how they would use, like, Hayate just to punch in to get the, the Sky Striker card in the graveyard. You use the Dragon yep. monsters to recur your monsters, add them back to your hand. And then summon the other level, the other monsters with the same level. So, like, if you summon Ernest, like, if you have a laundry you didn't use that turn, you bounce Ernest, summon the laundry. You know, like, you 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 get to accelerate your resources in the battle phase. Where against these control decks that don't really have much to stop the battle phase to to deplete you of this resource. Like, I'm saying that with these bunny ears, but you obviously can't see that. But like, once yeah. you, you <laughs> use this resource to your advantage, you could like totally capitalize against those decks because trust me summoning a 2700 beater like summoning two 2700 beaters against like a deck like altergeist is like decently annoying you'd be surprised and then you just like pass on the seal you pass on the seal shield you know like these are like it's so easy to recreate that board where sometimes like like i'll have a seal and someone will nibiru over my seal and then I end on Seal Shio instead because Seal summons from deck still, you know, and that that's like not good. Don't Nibiru over my Seal, guys. Don't do it. Yeah. So, so like, explain for like for because I'm sure not everybody's familiar with like the Dragon Maid deck. Like, kind of just give me like a quick little walkthrough of like what the deck is like supposed to oh, do. Oh, the exactly. full strategy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. My bad. I wasn't really. Yeah. yeah okay. So pretty much you have <laughs> these small Dragon Maid monsters and you have the big Dragon Maid monsters. The main win condition of the deck is. Uh, to use your your fusion monsters, like Shio and House. Uh, Shio is a defensive card where during the standby phase it summons a Dragon Maid from your graveyard or hand. And uh, mm-hmm. House is an offensive card. Every time a Dragon Maid monster gets bounced, you get to pop a card on a monster on the field. So um, similar to Titan. So all the Dragon Maid monsters have these bounce effects during the battle phase. So during the start of battle phase, and effects can happen in between. So you can use like let's say. Let's say you enter the battle phase while I control a seal. And I use my seal's effect to bounce a card. Like, if your monster does not threaten me whatsoever, I'll bounce my own card sometimes. Sometimes I'll bounce a World Legacy Guard Dragon. Sometimes I'll bounce, like, my own Dragon Me monsters if I don't have enough big dragons. So this, you summon the small dragons from deck. 
all of them have effects on summon to give you some kind of like plus or some kind of advantage. Uh, Nurse specifically is the one that you're usually summoning off Shio, which summons a Dragon Maid monster as well. So you have two monsters. And their effects during the start of battle phase is to bounce them both to summon these specific level big dragons from your graveyard. And um, they're all pretty much just beat sticks with small utility effects. Like the utility effects don't really come up too much other than Ernest and Tinkak. Tinkak gives a 2k boost when you discard it. Ernest special summons one one from your hand when you discard it. Um, so there's like the start of battle phase is a way for you to return your monsters to your hand and like kind of like build the follow up while still having lots of room for defense. Mm-hmm. Your winning turn usually looks like like if I can use changeover to make a shield to be protected from like certain cards. I try to like pretty much uh, simplify the game state as much as I can. So I use Phoenix to like pop a back row and like sometimes like. You know, just try to control the game so that my shields negate will get lots of value in terms of my, like, win turn. Because you have to kind of play for your win turn. Uh, so you try to summon House, which, like, if your opponent controls a full board of monsters, it's so easy to clear. Every time you bounce a Dragon Maid during the start of battle phase, you pop a monster. So you summon these 2,700 meters. So usually two big dragons and a fusion monster is, like, always game. Uh, so that's, like, how your win turn looks like. And, yeah... Yeah, I think that's I mean, like a it's, general rundown of the strategy. I mean, it's interesting how like the, the deck, like because I know like all, all the monsters, like they kind of like transform into like a completely different monster during the battle phase, and that's like where you utilize like the utility and the control of the deck, which is which is weird because you don't really see that in a whole lot of other decks. Like you know, you mentioned the example with it with uh, Hayate, for example, and Strikers, where like it's so necessary to like dump a spe- a certain spell to get from the deck to the graveyard, so you can retrieve it back with like either multi roll or you might get it back with uh, with Shiz- uh, not Shiz- mm. Kagari. And whatnot, and then the dragon man's kind of has that like that similar sense. Like we don't see a lot of battle phase being used as utility as resource, per se. We yeah, use, yeah, as a resource. So it's it's definitely like a, a much different way of playing Yu-Gi-Oh as you you typically would, and you're you know trying to like you know write the ship with that deck and kind of make it you know really meta relevant. Yeah, the thing is like based like like uh, adding on what you said, how it like plays its own game, like. If you're bored of Yu-Gi-Oh, pick up Dragon Maids, man. That deck literally plays like no other deck in Yu-Gi-Oh ever has, you know? There's mm-hmm. so much, like, technical play you can come upon and so many, like, different strategies that you can... you can Like, if I'm playing against uh, an Eldritch deck, like, my main priority is getting my seal to resolve. I'm not trying to interrupt them. I don't, I don't care about interrupting them. I'm just trying to build my, my, my board so that I have enough resources to to um to just live me for the next turn like just keep me in the game put a monster on the field few cards in my hand that's all you need because all your like you can search extenders you can search utility cards and that are very powerful against the eldritch deck as well um what was i gonna touch upon um i lost my train of thought <laughs> but um oh yeah, so, yeah. Like, sorry sorry against um yeah, variants with zoos um something i try to prioritize is tidying because uh tidying is very very good to to prevent the zeus and even though zeus is definitely beatable with the dragon meat deck like you have lots of lots of ways to get around it sometimes mm-hmm. zeus with three set is a whole different story mm-hmm. so yeah so you, how- utilize the tidying against the zoo monsters don't let that battle happen and 
you just use your seal to kind of recur your resources, continue continue yeah. grinding during their turn. Yeah, tidying is the trap for for anyone who's uh, yeah, which which is. is pretty much like a compulse, which bounces a mo a dragon monster I control and a, another card that your opponent controls or in their graveyard. So how did that match like start with with Triff? Like how did how did that all come about exactly? Oh, he just messaged me. He's like, "Yo, are you trying to play?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm down." Yeah. He's like, "Wait, do you want to make a video out of it and like play like a best of five? And I'm like, "I'm down." And we played. That means even are like me and Steven are pretty good friends. I would say like, like you know, I, we've known each other for like a pretty long time. Like, like actually, I take that back. We're not like pretty good friends. I say we're like, like he's like a like a older brother to me even like he was there for me like a lot of times like to come to think about it i the first day i met him though i remember like it's so funny but this is a hundred percent the true story the pendulum magician starter deck came out that day the structure deck the one with yeah. wisdom eye and dragon pit and all that and he i'm i'm at card masters because this is like my favorite locals i love card masters. so i'm chilling there and steven comes in he's like yo you want to duel <laughs> and I'm like, hey, what's up, man? Uh, yeah, sure, let's play. And then uh, we were just we were playing. I I also picked up three of the structure decks, and you know, like since I like I love building different type of decks. Like I played lots of unique, unique uh, tech choices in that deck. Uh, for example, there was this one um, play that that like it was a little popular in the beginning, but no one really. It was kind of under the radar where you you play like this ignite engine in order to search. Uh, so pretty much, like, if you don't know what the Ignites do in the scales, they pop another Ignite in your scale. So you need two Ignites to do this combo to search for a Fire Warrior monster. So you would search for the, the Great Shogun Shien, which says oh, your yep. opponent can only activate one spell or trap card per turn. And with, the, the, that with that Pendulum structure deck came out Pendulum Call, which searched for two Pendulum monsters. You, you know, you could just search your perfect scales. So you make your scales, you pen three, your Shogun Shien that you just searched in the two Ignites, and then you exceed them for Durendal, which says if your opponent activates a spell or trap card, you can change the effect to uh, pop a spell or trap card your opponent controls. So yep. they can only activate one spell or trap card, and it's to, and, and that it, and its effect would be to pop a spell or trap card, but my scales are also protected by pen call, so you can't activate any spells or trap. In the mirror, oh, instant win. Instant win. Yeah, because oh they can act. God. They can't activate more than one scale. You know, it's yeah. literally unlosable. So he but, yeah, like he saw text, traps. Oh. Yeah, he saw text like that in my deck. He's like, "Yo, you're a really good builder, man." You know what I'm saying? Like, I saw him at, at um the OCS like a few times. Like, uh, I mean, uh, a little while after that, and he was playing Magic Specters, and he came. He's like, "Yo, do you have the the um, either Magic Specter Yada or the Quick Play spell?" and most of the decks played one Yada, one Quick Play spell. It's mm -hmm. like just like a pop a monster by tributing a Magic Specter. Yep. So he was looking for like three of each, and I'm like, man, why would you play three of each of that card? He, and he literally lays out his deck in front of me and starts explaining to me like his deck choices. And I'm like, wow, this guy's actually like like nice. He's nice, and I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure he ended up coming like top eight in that OCS if I remember correctly. I don't remember. Yeah. Oh man, it's. My interactions with Trith, like the first time I ever like met him, like he kind of came off like, like you know, being like the normal self that he is, like the yo, let's do this, bro. like the, the whole yeah, yo, that's up not him, stuff. you know what I'm saying? That's not well, he definitely is like that, you know, when he's hyped up and he's, you know what I'm saying, in the mood, but for the most part, yeah. Steven's like one of the chillest guys I know. Yeah, like he was so chill. Okay, so when we were at that, re when we were at that uh, November 30th regional, when you were going against uh, Dominic Couch, uh, mm -hmm. I was sitting beside you to your right. I was playing against Triff. 
and like and holy heck, man! Like he's he's so chill. He's not at, quite as hyped when he's dueling. He's a he's a crap ton more focused when he's playing oh, the especially game. Especially when he's playing. When he's playing, like like he's like the most serious, most like he's into this game. He's playing like like it's like really professional type of vibe I get from it. You know? Yeah. Like it, he like really like he is. takes his time. Things he's like really tech. Like he's a really good player. You know? He he like really embodies like that that like when when it's like a casual game at a locals like we're obviously just having fun but in that regional setting like when you see him play he's like totally like this is this is serious you know this is not a joke it, it really gonna, is I'm gonna take this. yeah it really is man so like when i played him and i had my chance to you know you know beat him because we were both like five i think you like all three of us i think we we're like five oh to start like four we were like four oh five yeah, to start yeah. the tournament and I go to like, man, this is my chance to beat Triff here. I, I, I got a chance now I can beat him. But, you know, my, my, when I played him, my hands were like, weren't the best, but they were at least like playable. At least I could like make plays and I wouldn't be, they weren't dead. Well, they weren't the best. So I was like, fine. But mm-hmm. when I played against Triff, like he had me controlled like through the entire game. I felt like I had no control over the game whatsoever. And like, I, I, I fooled him on like one play by setting a bluff, like metal, like metal foes, uh, like the Metaphor Fusion, but that, that was about it. It's like, other than that, it's like, man. Metaphor Fusion in your orchestra? I, I think so. I, I was running a bluff or something. Wow, I was running a bluff or something like yeah. that, I think. I had a bluff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had get a bluff. It. I forget what it was. Maybe it was like a crescendo or something. It, Snipe your crescendo, I, crescendo. I, I think that's I what it was. I think it was a crescendo. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. That's the bluff. And I'm like, man, like, Triff knows what he's doing. Like, he got me like crazy. And, and like, he's, again, completely focused. He knows what he's exactly what he's doing. And like, you can't underestimate Triff. Like you don't let that like the his persona like fool you. Like what he does, like when he plays the game, it's absolutely explosive. And he's a smart man. I, I and I yeah, I he's like a really, really intelligent guy. Really intelligent. Uh, guy. He really is, man. I I, t- I took my hat to him, man. And uh, I hope I can get a rematch with him someday. You know, hopefully, uh, <laughs> they're a lot better than than our uh, last match at that regional. Because uh, again, like I came, uh, I was X two that regional. I didn't make the cut. I know you're the X two. They were eighth place that. That yeah, made I that made cut. the the cut as the X two, yeah. but yo, I think I think it was totally the reason. Like, okay, so against my match against Dom Couch, yeah. like both games, like this was like a pretty like serious game because I'm like, yo, this is a whoever's better match. Like, whoever's better matches to me are no fun in games. Like, this is where duelists come to duel, and we find out who truly is better. You know, <laughs> but you know. Even though Dom Couch is better than me because he did beat me in whoever's better match, not no doubt about that. You know what I'm saying? He's definitely the superior duelist. <laughs> but um, in that match, like before that, he was not the superior duelist. But during that match, both my hands, both games were complete garbage. Complete garbage. <laughs> like my hand, like game two, I remember specifically, I draw Babel, Symbols, uh, Lancia, um and some other stuff it was like like legit on like i couldn't do anything i set my symbols and pass yeah. and he goes draw activate upstart yep and i'm thinking resolution um lancia sure return engage search uh hornet drone oh. engage you know what i'm saying and i'm like damn like of course like my only way to stop this guy my lancia <laughs> and then he has double engage yeah you know like that, that's like what I'm like. Yeah, this mirror match is pretty bold, you know. It's not, like pretty not it's not fun. Not I lost that match. Very very. Uh, I was like so upset because I'm like, man, I was supposed to win this event. Mm-hmm. It's my deck. Stop, yeah. stop using it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then I ended up playing Steven in the the last round. Yeah. And I remember game three. 
like it was like I was like set to win. And then Steven's like, I think he like used the draw card and he's like, I'm so sorry, bro. Activate engage. I ash it. Engage. Oh. Bro, you know, I got so like, I'm like, you know what, bro? Like, oh. like I just, I'm like, before the match, like, we're just like, we're just talking. I'm like, bro, straight up, like, either way this goes, I'm so happy for yes. us. Either way this goes. Because my, my assumption was that out, like, whoever lost was not topping, but like, I had the best break, yeah. right? Like, I lost against the winner and the second or third place. Yeah. And so, yeah, after that match, I'm like, yo, congrats, bro. Like, I'm like, so happy for you. And so I'm just like chilling outside. This was like, like I was outside having a smoke with my friends. And then all I see, I look outside, look inside and a bunch of my friends are running out the door and they're like, yo, you talked. And I'm like, what? How? You're like, yo, you're eight. You're, you, you were the one, you had the best breakers. I'm like, oh wait, I did have the best oh, breakers. You know what I'm saying? They're like, like kind of like, like celebrating that for me. Cause that, they knew kind of, that was like my first moment for like something like yeah. that. Like, well, not like what PPG was, but it was like, this was my first, this was in Toronto, you know? Like, this was the event I beat Marcus Carice. This was the event I, I, you know what I'm saying? I, like, I, I really felt like because my, my deck was built the way that I wanted to, it, my deck beat every deck except the mirror. Yeah. Like, my deck was not built for the mirror. Every other, everybody else was playing Skullmeister at this time, DD Crows, like all these dark hand traps that are also good against the Orcus deck mm-hmm. to also synergize. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I just didn't think those cards were good against every, any other deck that oh, So, like, you know, I was so happy with that that top. And, you know, that top cut ended up being literally insane. Like me, Jesse, Siobhan, uh, Dom, Couch, Steven. Mm-hmm. So that's five GN men yep. right there. You know what I'm saying? All from Game Nation. Like, completely yep. swept that tournament. And then Alec in ninth, which was jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was the one who lost. Because I lost a Triff. In uh, in that I think it was like round five or six. I can't remember if we were four or five when I lost to him. And then I lost to I lost to Mustafa, uh, the Moose Yu Gi Oh. Yeah, yeah, uh, the guy from Montreal. Yeah, the guy from Montreal. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, and I I accidentally double I double bricked him after getting deck checked, which was like ah, like I can't even play the game because I double bricked. I got no blame on on Mustafa because like he he did what he was supposed to do. Oh, totally out of his control, right? Like sometimes the game just doesn't have the best interest for you. You know, at the end of the day. There's so many times, like, I consider, like, my, like, why am I still playing this yeah. game? You know, sometimes I just lose, like, especially, like, earlier, like, I, the game is definitely much, much better than it was in 2020. Mm-hmm. Like, 2020 was definitely, like, a very, like, low point for Yu-Gi-Oh! Because I feel like that was the format most where I lost, consistently lost to players that I was better than. That I felt like my deck was built better. My knowledge <sighs> of the game is far beyond what these guys even you know what I'm saying they pick up the meta decks and they do the combo mm-hmm. they just did the combo you know mm-hmm. they watched their combo video oh drew the card did my combo you know like that's the number I hate combo combo decks like just should not exist in Yu-Gi-Oh should not you know like like the number one format that like like the legacy format that I play like as I said earlier was like plan mm-hmm. format and like plan format is one of those those games where like, it's, like, obviously, it's the same deck, but it's such a control-based format where there's so many opportunities for technical play <laughs> and so many opportunities to to outplay your opponent. <laughs> but when your opponent just does their combo, what are you what are you outplaying, you know? Like, where is the interaction between the two duelists? Yeah. Are you even a duelist if you're playing combo, or are you simulating this, this strategy? Like, I don't mean to be, like, a complainer, but, you know, like, I just... Like, there's no reason to have 
decks that that just don't allow the other player to play, mm-hmm. you know? And as mu- much as it's been said, you know, I don't need to really elaborate. Yeah, on. like, we've, I've had this, like, little debate, this ar- argument, like, throughout, like, the entire time of my podcast about, like, decks nowadays where, like, if you take Salma Grace, for example, again, like, they have this, like, one set combo, there's very few ways to do it, but this is your this is the end board that you want to do the first turn. Oh, Salad, Salad is, is a deck that I wouldn't really... Like I wouldn't really categorize like as that combo? combo type of deck because it's, it's totally like the deck is is the deck strategy is to like prolong the game, you know, like decks that try to win in one turn is more of what I'm trying to target here where these decks like are like, like I'm talking like, for example, at emancipator virtual world where it's kind of use your hand to to stop your opponent for a turn. So they like they cannot do as you make them do as little as possible and then just capitalize yeah so like just don't let like build a board where they they can't do anything and then when it comes back to your turn you you have the kill right then and there like don't like those kind of decks Mm -hmm. but yeah thankfully thankfully yeah yeah like kind of just like real combo decks dragon link infernoble like outside of their turn one the deck's trash you know like that's that's not ideal for me that's not that's not how i have yeah and again it's, it's not like it's you're kind of playing against more like yourself than rather than playing with the opponent because you know if you're if you're playing like a combo like like with no interruption like you pretty much have like a broken board where majority of the time you're gonna see your opponent just kind of like scoop or just put like a very lackluster. You can never, after. you can never ever ever beat a combo deck's full board without deck cards outside of your engine. That's when it like becomes a problem. I forgot who said that, but I think it was like maybe Jesse. Like when when you need to add all these cards that that are not part of your strategy just in order to have answers to these these cards that otherwise you would automatically lose yep. to, you know, like but that's that's meta, right? Like that's that's yeah, how the it's, game it's, works. Yeah, because there's there's checks and counts. Instead of using the ban list, Konami likes to just print even brokener cards to like kind of combat with what's going on. You know, like read dark like dark ruler compared to like Forbidden Chalice, for example. Forbidden Chalice is a card. Yeah, it's like, it's like slapping like band aids over band aids for like like the same problem. Eventually, the the utility cards will overpower the the decks because eventually, you know, like they gotta print something where it's like, yo, you're just if your opponent special summons a monster, they can't yeah. do anything in order to like really combat. These yeah, guys. exactly. And like, I, I like, I like that little quote that you gave earlier that like you have to play like, cards that are like, you know, that aren't like part of your deck to, to like, to check those cards, like cards that aren't really part of your deck. It's like when Drytrons are running like Cyber Dragon Nova, like the Macaba and an Elder Entity just to combat with like, like the one, like the one in the Dogmatica card, the Maximus. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's like that. Yeah. Cause yeah. like, I'm sure that like a lot of other, Drytron decks would love to fill that space with something else, but because of because of Maximus, it's that hard, it's a hard counter to it. And see, like you, you kind of lower the ceiling of your deck because of what kind of strat, like because of the the overpowered meta, yeah, you it, know, the over overpowered meta. Of yeah, exactly that. Like it's 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 hard because I really like I really like playing with decks that have like high ceilings. Like I don't mind if there's like a bit of a lower floor, but so long as I have that high ceiling, you know, that that's what I'm kind of aiming for. But Though those three cards in your extra deck with Drytrons really like really lowers that up a bit because you have less utility to work with as you go on. See, this is this is exactly why like Skyworkers format was so big for me. Like in terms of like not only like like the situation of like obviously like my first like like in like my first like thing I gave to the game really like I would say, but 
Um, not only that, but there's so much opportunity with the Sky Striker cards. There's so much opportunity to outplay your opponent. Like, for example, at this Detroit Regionals that I ended up coming top eight yep. in as well, there was, it, it was like round five or six, game three, and my opponent, for some reason, didn't Lancia me during the standby phase or something, and I ended up like resolving in a lore, which drew me into engage, and I ended up Getting okay, I was pretty much under under um Lancey and I'm just like trying to resolve my engage. I'm like, okay, if I widow anchor his card and he just like has like the extenders or like the the answer, I instantly lose. Or the trickster light stage. I'm pretty was trickster light stage played at this point? I think it was. I think it was. I'm not entirely sure. I don't remember. But like there was like like I can't end this turn with a widow anchor. So I'm just looking at my deck and I'm like, dude, what if I just like shark cannon his Lancia and then Lancia him? And that was like one of the the most that was like one of the most like um what is it? Like that once I did that, that was the moment where I'm like, yeah, these sky shaker cards, like you gotta play mm-hmm. them in this deck. Like it's absolutely mandatory. Having like that, like even like what we're talking about in terms of technical play, like this was a an opportunity where I was rewarded for my deck building, but also have this opportunity to to like kind of use my cards in a way where they're not typically used you know just kind of it's tech play right like there's so much opportunity for tech play like i remember i was even playing against james jung in this one game nation local shout out to james jung um who's a hokuna madara his 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 uh youtube channel is doing pretty sick right now shout out to him um and he was playing cyber dragons and like he goes like Lancia target um he goes Lancia and I chain Shark Cannon targeting a Naxter and I only have well like one spell in my graveyard and then I chain twin targeting my my shark cannon by pitching a spell and I had three three spells in my graveyard so I was able to take his Naxter use Naxter to revive my ding and I had no access to any of my Orcus cards so I ended up attaching an Orcus card, and that's what inevitably won me the game because I was able to like use this card where, like, it pretty much allows to allows me to up the ceiling of my deck, and you know I just don't feel that with a lot of cards this format where it's, you know, like where's the the interesting interactions with Drytron in the format? It's kind of just like you relies on the same win. Yeah, Vanity's feet. Same as virtual. Yeah, I, I have this little thought that where. It's so easy to like plot your first turn. Do your first, it's it's always easy to do it because everyone will know how to do the first turn. But I would say like the real skill when it comes to playing this game is being able to play every subsequent turn afterwards because like you can solitaire so many times, but mm-hmm. you may not give yourself the same experience to play like turn two, turn three, turn four because that's when you really have to learn how to grind through because that's where the game gets interesting. Adapt through yeah, scenarios. Exactly what it is. It's like it's being able to adapt and and you know, getting used to the situation that is being presented before you, because if you go first, like let's say I'm playing Drytron. So if I go first, I set up a Vanity's uh, Vanity's ruler on board, so we can't special summon, but I'm going against an Eldritch deck that can somehow like get get rid of my, get rid of my ruler. Then it's like, okay, well, what's my play now? Because now they can start special summoning everything. And now I got to learn how to kind of like dissect this board. Now the Eldritch, everything is live. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, and that's where like, I have to abuse Link Rebo, maybe the Nightmare Engine to start like, like whittling away their resources and drawing cards. And, you know, that's where like the real grind comes out, but you know, like it's, it's the good players mm-hmm. will be able to beat like to play out of it. The 
the worse off players won't be able to play out of that kind of situation because all they really know is like the first turn and maybe not know how to do it. Yeah, this is the combo. combo. You're just kind of mm-hmm. copycatting it, but like which helps you to like a very small extent, but you got to learn how to play the game afterwards. And like a lot of people don't put themselves in that situation. Mm-hmm. 100%, 100% totally agree with that. Like platform at is one of those, is one of those. Uh, sorry, yeah, I'm bringing this up, but like, yo, this it's like the most fun way to play Yu Gi Oh! ever. But like, as long as both players are very good at plant format, like, like Abdul's, like I say, my main plant opponent. I play against Jesse sometimes, like when, like when times were better than stupid C word C nineteen. But yeah, like like in plant format, there's so many situations where okay, my opponent has a set, has this many cards in hand, has like how am I gonna beat his gores, his torrential, his solemn, his econ, his book, his his dust shoot, like, you know what I'm saying? There's plenty of times where, you know what I'm saying? Use dust shoot and kind of retain information and somehow use that to, towards your, towards the future of the game. You know, knowledge is like mm-hmm. very powerful just by like, if your opponent normal summons a tour guide on the first turn and sets two cards, you can already kind of start making assumptions based on mm-hmm. what cards in their hand, what cards are they going to looking for? <laughs> what cards are they, you know? And the further it gets into the game, the more, intricacies like are added because there's so many like more opportunities to draw these like one of cards these two of cards that are like you know otherwise you know they they wouldn't have so there's so many opportunities to to attempt to outplay your opponent and attempt to to continue using your knowledge of of the format to i guess like like win as best as possible that's why like whenever i played against plants against jesse like he was like, like I'm t- like if I played current with Jesse, like I like it's it's like it's not hard to win current against mm-hmm. someone that's better than you, you know. Like I'll just say that yeah. like, completely honestly. Sometimes like I just yeah. be players that are better than me, but like in plants, like there's so much opportunity for for comebacks and so much opportunity to abuse this like this tech play. And I remember specifically uh, where I played against Ray, mm-hmm. Ray, the owner of Game Nation, who's the most blessed man on this whole earth. Shout out to Ray. Um, he made this play where we're in a situation where I have Spirit Reaper and he makes a Brio. And obviously, like, he could just bounce my, my Spirit Reaper, poke me for 23, but, like, that's not really doing anything. That, that's not doing anything. So he flips his Call of the Haunted to bring back Sangan. And he goes Brio effect, bounce back Call of, uh, call of the Haunted, Sangan effect, search a card, sets his Call of the Haunted and passes. I draw. I can't be Brio. You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting on a Reaper. I pass again. Draw. Activate Call of the Haunted, bring back Sangan. Brio effect, pitch, bounce back call, Sangan effect. You know what I'm saying? This, this, I've never seen this, this strategy before when he was doing it to me. And I'm like, wow, like, yo, like, I never even thought of this. I never even thought of this. Like, every turn, like, he can just attack and potentially play into a Gores, but this is the best way to play. And you know what I'm saying? He showed me, like, this was another oppor- like another moment where, like, tech play really outshined like like just drawing better you know? this is where like we we start to see like the decks of like old like there there weren't a lot of like linear plays like every single play that you would do would be completely different and now that we have these like a lot more like archetype based decks you can see that a lot more plays are, like, are a lot more linear it's like okay this is the deck this is the combo that you're gonna f- throw flat out it's pretty easy like almost anybody can do it as opposed to like you know playing like a goat deck or playing like a plant format deck it's like every single opening you do is going to be different because you know it's it plays to your hand your cards are different every single time your cards are different every single time cards don't grant value instantly in platform you kind of have to use your cards 
in the most efficient mm-hmm. way possible. Like if you go like normal summon tour guide and your opponent chains Valor and you chain Econ, mm-hmm. take their Sangen, you know, you make Xyz with their Sangen, you deny their Sangen. Like lots of the format, lots of the formats like like basis is like like using Sangen to try to like control the board because Sangen is like really annoying in that format. You know, there's like Thunder King to counter it, Econ to counter it. There's like, you know what I'm saying? There's, what am I trying to, it's more as like, it's like you really build a strategy with all these unique cards rather than having a strategy going into the game and just mm-hmm. forming the strategy, you know? And that's what I love about the like the decks of old is because that deal, you can, it really becomes like a really hard grind and a hard chess match with each other because, you know, you have to, if every game's not going to be the same, like I might not open the same way. Like when I play in chess, my opening isn't going to be the same move every single turn. It's read and react to what my opponent does. And that's kind of what like the plant format and the goat format does. It's, it's read and react to it for the most part. Like when you're, but opening turn, it's like, well, I'm just going to, Let's just throw all this out. Let's just hope that my opponent can't stop me. Because, like, then you're relying on, like, a lot of luck at that point. Just hoping, okay, just hope my opponent doesn't have, like, the cards to to beat me. And then I can win game one and we can go right to game two. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I I hate, like, talking negatively about the game. Because, like, obviously, like, Konami is trying to do what they got to do to improve the game, I guess. But at the same time, it's, like, the ban lists are starting to feel like they're selling products over like actually mm-hmm. balancing the game and they just kind of use product to balance the game. So they kind of just make money because obviously like their business are trying to make money. But yeah, like I, I, I like to play platform that, you know, it's like probably like the most fun anybody could, could have playing Yu-Gi-Oh! As long as you master the format, like I feel like there's so many, like there's so much I learned from platform format that like, that you, I could apply to like, like mm-hmm. regular Yu-Gi-Oh still, but even even beyond that, I feel like my strategy in plan format is way beyond my skill level in 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 current because there's a there's a ceiling in current where you can't yeah. win every yep. single game. But when you watch Jesse play plants, he can win every single game if he want. Like he, like it's really hard to take a match off him. Like you know, I have to play like out of my mind in order to like like to really like reach his level. Like which is surprising to say, but that's really how it is. It really is a yeah, skillful game to me. I, I feel like that's kind of like the same thing too with like Teledad format. I, I felt like it was it was almost always the best player, the better player would win out of the two. You know, it's 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 really hard to get a fluke victory over somebody in that kind of format. So I always thought like whoever like came out of that format was like one of the best players uh, of the game because like the, and again, it's it's really hard to hide. Unless you draw like triple malicious or something like that, that might be like the only reason why you lose. But other than that, it's really hard to mm-hmm. like lose those kind of games, assuming you're the better player. And that's those are the kind of formats I really love playing. But see, even in like those certain old, like those certain times when even if you would draw a triple Mali, right? Like, like there's games in plants where you draw triple Tengu, you can yep. still come through victorious. You know, one time Abdul drew drew triple Tengu and he, he normal summon Tengu pass because he's trying to like fish for my play where I go normal summon Tengu attack pitch max C because that's like a typical play to uh, really like accelerate your turn in order to get two draws yep. by crashing Tengus. But I crash my Tengu on declaration. I use max C and you know what I'm saying? I summon my Tengu. I'm like, wow, <laughs> you drew both, you know, like there's opportunities where where you can use like like disadvantages like this to to your advantage where like because even though like 
like this is not a tur- one turn game, right? Yeah. Like you're not dying in one turn. Like unless like I guess your opponent has like the absolute stones in Teledad format. I don't really know. I didn't play that format. But um like well at like at like a level higher than like super casual. But yeah, like there's just like there's more turns and there's more opportunity to to come back and to to like actually yeah. outplay I mean, we've, your opponent. We've definitely seen situations where like you know drawing like the card you don't want to draw, like you can turn it into like a positive. Like for for example, like if I like draw and lock bird, like a, a Salomon Great deck. So it's already advantageous at that point to already have the field spell in your hand because you can just you can still like combo off. Yeah, you, you just, just play around. Play around and, and, yeah, <laughs> that or if you just draw an opening turn, but you're able to, but you're going second and you drop a Phantasm, It's like, well, I know immediately the card that I'm sending back to my deck, and it's essentially a pot of greed at that point. Like you know exactly what you're throwing back to your deck at that point. You're, you're throwing the sanctuary back because you want to search it instead. Yeah, it's 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 just mm-hmm. it, you know like it, it's like they say like you know like, you may not be able to get like the best hand, but you got to play with what you've got. And even playing out of bad hands is entirely possible. Like even in like the worst of formats. But again, that's like it's how do you utilize it? And you know everyone has their own way of doing it, and it's it can be tricky to do it sometimes. But like you know the best players have been able to find figure out how to play out of like the worst hands possible. I mean, it, it gets. I mean, of course, it gets a little tricky here and there. But, but again, like it, it's been done. Because, like when I when I told you, like the triplets when uh, Triple Tango was opened up, Billy Brake did it in his in his finals in Columbus. Oh yeah, and the Columbus, the YCS finals. Triple, yeah, but he crazy. And it was fe- yeah, it was on a feature match finals, as well. That's why crazy. So, but he won the he won the finals because even despite having the triple tengu, which was crazy, and like all of us were just flabbergasted and like, how did he win that having triple tengu in his hand? Like I remember like being there at the event and just seeing him like, oh my god, like I can't believe he he pulled that out of his out of his ass. Yeah, it's like it's like those were the the times when like Yu Gi Oh was like more of like yeah, a sandbox a, a little game. Bit more. More of like a sandbox and do what you got and yeah yeah I, we don't we don't we don't have to talk about the garbage like of of what Yu Gi Oh kind of has like kind of been well it's not garbage yeah. I still play it I still love Yu Gi Oh you know I'm a I'm a Yu Gi Oh fan I play I play I play my Dragon Maid deck yeah. and I still have a blast but it's it's it goes without saying this yeah game still has there a definitely blast. is because you know they it's again it's, it's shifted a bit because I feel like. Uh, even worse off, like players that aren't as as good as me, and I, I'm not trying to brag or anything like that. But you know, play, lesser players, like I feel like I have a much better chance of beating me than as opposed to if we rewind the clock like 10 years ago, uh, where like I'm playing against a lesser player. Like I'm thinking, okay, I've got mm-hmm. this, and I, I can pretty much say like, I've got this in the bag. I can't really say that now in today's format because you're game sense was like worth so much more back then. Like game game sense in terms of like like knowledge about like every single card that existed because like lots of the decks back then were like, yeah, like there's your staple book of moon. There's your staple torrential tribute. There's your staple this, but there's so many like random cards. Like let's say like tiger King yeah. Wagyu or something like that, that card, like it's like, where it's like a random tech card that you could just throw in your deck and, and you know, like kind of build a strategy around it throughout the game. Yeah. Right? Like, and then and nowadays I also feel like, there are so many just like one card plays, just one card that can completely like turn the entire like dual ter- tide of a match and of a game because like I can like be just beating my opponent with like a plus six or plus seven, but all of a sudden if they play that like that one floodgate card, like for instance if I'm playing Strikers and they all of a sudden like top deck the the secret village of spellcasters, like 
well, there goes like eight, nine of my cards and I can't play the game anymore just because they like, they top deck that one card. And that situation really didn't happen way back when, like they didn't have that. There's like one huge, one power card that would completely turn the whole tire tide of the game. Like, despite the fact that you're down, like my, like three or four cards. Well, well, actually, I feel, I feel like back then it was much more prevalent where that would happen. Like, for example, in like, sorry, <laughs> I keep reflecting the plan format, but like, this is like the only legacy format that I'm really like yeah, I would okay. consider like I've mastered. Um, but like, like, let's say Dark Hole, Pot of Avarice. Um, these are both like scapegoats, also a very good card to like turn the turn the game around. Um, like top deck Gorse, top deck BLS. Um, you know, there's lots of like comeback opportunity i feel like yeah that's t- totally a, a good thing you know like i think that floodgates are good for you i think that limiting what your opponent's able to do because of their deck building choices is is definitely like like a good thing you know like let's say against dragon link those car- that deck is literally a hundred percent i mean 90 percent gas and like 10 percent defensive cards versus like mm-hmm. the mirror match or like the other combo decks where like where they would lose to a single floodgate and you just got punished for not building your deck to to be to be versatile to be targeting every matchup instead of rather than you know I win the role or <laughs> I built my deck for the mirror. So it was your card, sorry. So I feel like yeah. So I was just gonna say uh, yeah. So I feel like you know cards like Mystic Mind. Like even though yeah, like you could complain about Mystic Mind being an annoying card, but. You kind of have to say that you know if you weren't prepared for yeah, it, then don't complain about it. If you didn't, if you were prepared for it and you didn't draw your L, then sure, you know, like you, that's unfortunate. But but you can't say, oh, Mystic Mind is so broken, and then completely being ignorant towards that and not main decking back row removal or some kind yeah, of way to defeat it. Because we've had so many people like just immediately scoop the second they see a Mystic Mind because they don't have any at all main deck outs to you know to deal with the card and it, it's unfortunate but i mean that's it's a card that's part of the game and it's and, and somewhere along the line you you could see it i mean we've had formats where like strikers would main like triple mine or like it, it was like a side deck card option just because it would shut off everything on your opponent mm-hmm. so that way you can actually like, make a move and they they um, yeah exactly that. We've seen it, right? mine, like just mm-hmm. be like one of the like the biggest side deck cards ever just because it can shut everything off. And then you as the user can decide when it was going to shut off just by matching up with, uh, with monsters in the, in the end phase. I think in order for floodgates to be like good again, I think that true Draco should come like, should like regain its power. Like if true Draco was like, like a, like a deck, this format, not only would it have like, Lots of favorable matchups versus like the actual combo decks, like for example, like versus VFD, like sick VFD dude, like tribute my trap and it's gone. But like uh, with a deck like Draco in the format, it really like limits the ceiling of what what <laughs> some of the strategies are capable of, you know, with like actual floodgates and actual like control. Because con- like if you argue that that a combo format is good for Yu-Gi-Oh, then like. You know, which I did argue about with Wei Li. Oh, that was a very intense argument, but like not like bad yeah. argument. It was more of a discussion. But you know, it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about. Well, that. just I think of it this way: like, like when Max C was around, 
you know, we would we would play decks that, you know, like while like we could like push like we could do so many special summons and whatnot, but we could play decks where like we could stop at like maybe like one extra special summon after it got played and just kind of sit on it and be at least in like a decent comfortable position. Like for example, like we play BA if I like special summoned uh special summon, like one BA, like a graph and like put a, another BA on board and then like I got Max Seed here, I'll be like, okay, well, I mean I'll just go to Dante. Maybe I'll give you one more card and I can pass. And I'm at least I'm in a position where I can defend myself and going to the next one. So, you know, if, if you have like maybe like some of the top decks mm-hmm. to like be controlled decks, it might automatically like slow down the format because, you know, we're we're in like a kind of like a floodgate format. This is what you have to do to get by me. And if you can't get by me, like you know, you're screwed. So you have to play cards to kind of to offset that, maybe take like the ceiling down, as you said. Uh, to help like combat like the counters like for example like you don't play like, MST is not is not really a combo card for majority of decks but you might have to play it to consider to take care of in order yeah. to have answers for the the certain you know you could have like the same argument where where you it's like oh but you need like if if you say that you need to play hand traps for the combo decks then you also need back row removal versus the back row decks but the the entire difference between that is that against the back row deck like for example, against uh, Eldish, for instance, like if I'm trying to play mm-hmm. around the Ice Dragon's prison with Dragon Maids, like I could just summon my chamber, search my yep. tidying, which is like a compulse, and then like I could set two cards yep. and then pass, pass right back, you know? Like I'm not dying mm-hmm. that turn and I'm not losing to these cards. But like for VFD, like, okay, I drew my hand. It's like, all right, I can't use any of my monsters. So <laughs> I'll pass to you. And yep. you know what I'm saying? And just like, hope I don't die. Which, oh man, I mean, yeah. holy heck, man. So, what do we have uh, any sneak peeks for what's uh, gonna come out on your channel very soon? Um, right now it's been like pretty dry with what I've been posting just because, like, I've been going through some life stuff lately. Like, I lost an important member oh, of my, my yeah. oh, uh, family not too long ago, my aunt, yeah. Um, so it's been like, like, kind of, kind of hard for us to. Well, kind of hard for me to just sit in front of the ca- like ca- in front of my phone and you know what I'm saying. Try to try to be over eccentric and happy yeah. when I'm like really not. You know, like that's why like I've attempted like even like last time I posted was like a week ago, but um like there has been opportunities where I'm like yo I should post a video. You know, just make sure everyone's like you know just staying in touch. See if I could you know just try to spread the happiness, but. Like lots of times where I just sit in front of the camera and I'm I just don't feel that true that true excitement and feeling and and happiness that I that I want to share with on my channel, you know? So I, I use like what in opportunities like these, like which I have had before where I took like mm-hmm. a like a two week two week break kind of thing. Um so yeah, like there has been opportunities where I try to sit in front of the camera, like I had a few ideas, but you know, because of my kind of negative mindset, it kind of doesn't go the way I want it to, and I'm and I kind of like just okay. kind of scrap the scrap the idea. So, um, for the near future, I don't I have no clue. <laughs> just uh, maybe short Yu-Gi-Oh videos. <laughs> like I want, like I've been wanting to like like make like strategy type of videos as well, but the problem with that is that like. Like my my channel is not a strategy channel, you know. People aren't subscribed to me in order for my input on the game. They subscribe to me because they're interested in my my mm-hmm. jokes and my my. You know what I'm saying? 
So despite that, um, what else do I have going for me? Like, I've, I'm planning on dropping merch in the near future, like some kind of, like, it, like I've always been into into clothing. Like, I, I love dressing up. I love streetwear culture. I love all that type of stuff. So um, I even had, like, plans on oh, opening nice. my own brand with a friend not too long ago. Like, we were working on it for a few months, and it, it kind of, like, fell off at the moment just because, like, right now it's been super slow with, like, COVID and everything. We need money to invest into it. So um, in terms of merch, I feel like it's going to be like that starting point for me to actually learn about like things like this, like learn about manufacturing and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be like like an interesting experience, but also like yep. it's a way to share my art. You know, that's that's what I really, I really love. You know, I really love art. I really love electronic music. I really love like the hyper pop type of uh, movement. I, I like like I feel like there's so much beyond like there's a lot like be like a lot under the surface that a lot of people don't really know about me but like i, I would say i'm like i'm like a very artistically driven type of person you know like something like this would be very very important to me you know if i see someone that's wearing my art like a, like a Yu-Gi-Oh event for instance like that would mean a lot to me because that would mean that i had some kind of impact on someone's artistic values and you know like the world's not built for 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 like artists like I wouldn't say like I'm an artist, but I'm more of like a hmm. What's the word I'm looking for? I uh, well, yeah, sure. I'll call myself an artist because artists can really entail to anything. You know, you don't have to be a good drawer or no, a good actor no, to make art. Art can be anything. I can I can make it, um, like maybe my art was inspired by my amazing <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh deck building skills. <laughs> you know, that's an art of its own. You know, like I play like this card because and. You know, you just like fall into this into this zone where where this is what you think about and this is what you value and this is what you you kind of it becomes like like a part of you. The Dragon Maid deck that I like like continue to continue to develop, it's like really become like a part of me. And I like there's so many things I continue to learn about that deck and continue discovering that really like drives my passion for this game. And like for example, like music in this like like what i really love about music like electronic type of music is that it really drives my passion in terms of like the the musical type of side of me where where you know like these feelings and these these ideas are so abstract because i like to listen to a little it's a little weird i would say the music i listen to but um this abstract concept that like that hasn't been really done yeah. before and well, I, mean, I just get inspired by be that, like an expression know? of whoever's like making it they don't you don't have to necessarily like be good at what you're doing per se like like for example I don't, i'm a terrible artist like i can't draw at all for anything like that but you know it's but i could like draw something that's just like really an expression of me and then you know that could be like worth something to someone you know just to, like you know these videos for example this, this is your art this is like an expression of you this is your portrayal of like what you see in like the real life Yu-Gi-Oh world like you can anticipate it as that so man like you know you don't have to discredit yourself or anything like that just because you may not say like you're you know that skilled per se you know it's artists can be kind of subjective in a sense you know like this is kind of like my mm -hmm. art this podcast this is the way I kind of portray myself and put myself out to everybody you know I try to put this in a professional light and everyone kind of express themselves the way they want to when they're on this podcast so you know you know it's 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 really subjective in that case and you can really express yourself in the way that you want to man so like if like these videos and like your the fashion is how you want to do it man like like have at her man that's how, that's how you're doing it mm -hmm. i feel like with with when i when i 
get that 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 drive that I that I you know that I I I would say like I have like two personalities like because like I feel like there's like this driven self and there's more of like this kind of other side of me that lots of people don't really like like I don't really tell people about like where like I'm yeah I'm just like another like depressed <laughs> kid you know sometimes but other times like people would recognize me as one of the most like outgoing people they know but I think it's important to, like to acknowledge that other people can um can be a lot more than yeah, uh, what meets the surface you know absolutely it's that. important I mean, that's, to that's, acknowledge that's kind of that. a reason why I have this podcast too it's like you know let's let's talk to the real Milano Let's talk to the real yeah, Milano here. Let's let's talk to who you really are. It's like, is that who you really are, like in real life when you're when you're in your videos, or is that like just you know, is that like just a stage? Is that a persona? That kind of thing, you know. And you you get to know the real person. That's why mm-hmm. I have these podcasts. You know, I really really want to know you better outside of you know the the fun little trash talk that you had with uh, with Dominic before you played him at that regionals. You know, because that's like really like the only real interaction I had with you, like mm-hmm. outside of like having this podcast. Yeah, yo, it's really weird how we never like ever talked. Like the thing yeah. is, you may have not known me, but I've like yeah. I've known you for a long time. Like I've I've seen your face like at plenty of like like older events at at like Card Masters, for example. I feel like I've seen you at Card Masters. Like I, I I'm I've known of you for longer yeah. than you've that's, known of that's... me for sure. Where was I getting <laughs> at that? But um. What, what were we just oh, I mean, that's fair. I mean, I went to card masters for like several years, like from I think like mid 2000s, so I think it was like 2005, and I think I went there for like two, three years, like on and off. So I was like, I'd be oh. around like playing some of the, the bigger events there or just like playing for fun kind of thing, right? Right. So, what I was saying is it's crazy how like we've never really had that interaction, whereas like most of the other people in the Toronto community, like I've I've had like like solid interactions with and i try to and i i would say like i'm outgoing enough to like just talk to like anybody i just feel like talking to like anytime i play an opponent first thing i say is like like a regional yo what's up yep. man my name's yeah. milano nice to meet you where are you from yeah well i mean you know but it's crazy how we just know, never had that, that opportunity so weird, but like it's funny because like i've had this like with so many people before and it, it wasn't until like I would actually like play somebody or get paired to them in a ma- in a regional or an event where I'd finally get to sit down and like, say, finally, I can like have a conversation with you like as we play or like before we play or whatever. Depends on like how much they actually want to talk like during the game. But it's it's finally nice to you know like we can sit mm-hmm. down and finally talk with each other, even though like we've seen each other around and we've known each other for a while, but never actually like, got to sit down and finally talk to each other for it. Man, Milano, man, thank you so much, man, for coming on to my podcast, man. I, I love the stuff that you do on YouTube. It makes me laugh all the time when I watch your videos, especially the chess one. I'm not going to forget that one for a while, man. <laughs> that's my that's my personal favorite that I made, man. Like, I feel like not only the synergy yeah. between me and Abdul in that video, but the whole concept oh. was so perfect. If, if I had, like, if I had more opportunities to, to like, see my yeah. friends, like, Abdul's from Scarborough, so yeah. he's, like, an hour drive for me. We we get, to like, to chill maybe once a week, mm-hmm. once every two weeks or something, but, you know, with the lockdown happening now, it's, like, definitely non-existent, but um, with local, if when Locals opens again, there's going to be so much opportunities to continue, like, the, this real, like, this, like, it's going to be so much bigger and better, <laughs> yeah. you know, when Locals opens up again. But what was I going to say? Um, do oh, I have yeah, room I, for shoutouts? Because I have probably like I don't have a list, but I just want to say thank you to like a oh, yeah, hundred billion people. Because like, 
like even though I say like my once in a while thank you on Facebook, you know, like I gotta like really acknowledge. Like I remember this time uh, I lost my Orcus deck at um. So pretty much I had a maxed out Orcus deck uh, at the time where Dylan Fricker was going to to Halifax. This was this was his last event. I came late to the event. I didn't even get to play, and I pretty much had my Orcus deck, which was ended up being lost um, at that event. Someone brought it into the counter. Shout out to Assad. He's a real one. And then uh, Dolly's ended up uh, losing track of it. So I ended up losing my deck. And at that point, I was so demotivated. I was 100% Oof. about to quit the game until, like, my friend Mark. Shout out to Mark Gill. He's, like, probably, like, one of my closest friends to the game. I've known him for so long. He he went out of his way to to try to provide me with, like, the cards that I was missing and, like, tried to to fix it and tried to get me back into the game. So huge shout out goes to him. I'm not, not every shadow will be that long. Just, just want to say just quick, quick times. Cause I legit would not be playing without him. I legit would not be playing like that, that event. Like I didn't even play in that event, but that would have been 1000% yeah. my last time at a UV event. If, if it you know is. what I'm saying? Cause that's heartbreaking losing. Like, like I had the deck almost max rarity, you know, it's like, it hurts, but anyway, <laughs> sorry. I don't mean to continue talking. So obviously shout out to the Toronto Yu-Gi-Oh family. I love all my Toronto friends, you know what I'm saying? Made so many great friendships through this game. Shout out to the GN group chat. Shout out to the, the Scum group chat. Shout out to the 4-1 group chat. Shout out to Ray. Shout out to Steven. Shout out to you. Shout out to you for Absolutely, bringing me on. Man. Thank you for bringing me on, by the way. Absolutely, this is my man. first time on a podcast. <laughs> I hope I didn't do too good, bad. Bro. So I was <laughs> relaxed and you had fun. But, um, yeah, no, I definitely had a blast. I didn't, I, it kind of like went by way too told, fast. Like, I can't believe we're like I, yeah, almost like, like an you, hour this, and 30 in. That's crazy. Yeah, but in terms of shadows, yeah, I think I'm good. But everyone knows who they are, who's had an impact on me, my mental health, my channel, my, you know what I'm saying? I just want to say shout out to you guys so much. Like, I really, really, really value you guys a lot value you guys a lot in my life like and like like the Yu-Gi-Oh community has done so much for me like at like my my lowest points in my life like I feel like my like surprisingly enough my Yu-Gi-Oh friends were the ones that that really stuck by me and were really willing to 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 be there for me so I'm ever so thankful yeah man like I, I know like a lot of you know, I had a lot of people like you know, tell me good things about you, man. Like Ruggles, for example, he told me like you're an absolute sweetheart, man. And like, oh my gosh, how do, oh how do I forget? <laughs> oh, I'm such an idiot, yo, man. I, when I was starting my YouTube channel, okay, the, quickly, quickly, sorry, I don't, I don't want to drag this off forever. But the way uh, I first got in contact, like first time I communicated yep. with Ruggles, Ryan, um, Gannon, who is also one Love of our Gannon. friends in the yep. Toronto group chat, he's like we get. I'm, yo, Gannon, if you're listening to this, bro, I miss you so much. But anyways, um, so Gannon invited Ruggles to the group chat, like our Game Nation Team B group chat. It was it's not the official Game Nation one, but it's just like our friends in this in this group. And he was joined, like luckily enough for us, because you know what I'm saying. He joined it, and I just asked him a question. I just messaged him like this random question. I was like, Yo, what do you think about this in my, in terms of my YouTube channel? And he gave me paragraphs, legit, like a probably took him like 20 minutes to answer that question in the amount of detail that he did and i would say for like 100 like he has done so much for the growth of my youtube channel and helped me so much in terms of the knowledge that i gained from all this type of stuff like huge shout out goes up yeah, to Ruggles. Ruggles has been an absolutely invaluable resource for me 
such a great guy, yeah, such an intellectual is. guy. Like if you guys like are not watching his his YouTube videos, like you guys are really, oh, really missing so out. Really missing out. I love it. It's like watching a movie. Like every time a, a Ruggles video comes up, like on my feed, it is like one of it's like I don't watch Yu-Gi-Oh videos too too much. Like I kind of just like stick to like mostly the people I know and I'm friends with because I love seeing them and stuff like that. But um Ruggles' videos like were were one of those Yu-Gi-Oh videos where I just like you know, I just stop what I'm doing. I'm like, all right, time to, you know what I'm saying? Grab a snack, grab my drink, and it's time yeah. to watch this. So fun you know? to watch. And, and again, like, I love his video production. Ah. It's so beautiful, man. And I love it, man. So high quality. But, man, Amazing. like, you know, I, I hope you keep well, man. And, uh, you know, I, I hope you keep doing, like, more stuff on your videos, man, because they make me laugh. I love watching them. And, like, again, like, I know I've been told by other people that you've been, like, a, you're a wonderful person, man. So I'm really glad that I got to have you on my podcast. Yo, it's my greatest pleasure. No problem, man. That is Milano the Duelist, man. He is probably one of the funniest Yugi tubers out there with his little skits, kind of like Yu-Gi-Oh! Vines. Joining me on the podcast, all links will be descriptive in the below, man. Milano, man, you have yourself a wonderful night. Thank you.